Thanks for listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. Check out more great podcasts today on one of these awesome affiliate networks. You're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. You're listening to the ESO Network, your station for all things geek. The Tangibound Network. Check it out. Tangiboundnetwork.com. Listen to this show, the latest episode, every time. A proud member of the Gun and Geek Network. The opinions expressed are those of each individual. Check out all the other geeky podcasts over at gunandgeeknetwork.com and get ready because geekiness begins in 3, 2, 1. On this week's episode, Wonder Woman's Early Returns. How Monster Hunter did a great job of making itself irrelevant. And why no one is talking about the stand. All this and more as we reach our next stop, the PCC Multiverse. Don't be alarmed. The quasi-shimmering light before you is a trans-dimensional gateway to other worlds, other voices, other thoughts, and other realities. Up feels like down, and down feels like the number seven on a Wednesday morning. Don't worry. That quivering, blood-boiling sensation under your eyebrows is all a part of the charm. Welcome to the PCC Multiverse. And we're back with another episode of the PCC Multiverse. This is Gerald Glassman from Pop Culture Cosmos, Game Source, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, and the Lakers Fast Break. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows. And if you can, please give us that five-star review on Apple Podcasts. Plus, if you can like, share, subscribe, follow, or do whatever it is you can do to help support us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos, Inside Sports Fantasy Football, the Lakers Fast Break, and Game Source, it is truly appreciated. And please want to go ahead and give out some love if you can and you're interested in daily fantasy sports betting, head on over to our friends at Thrive Fantasy. That's Thrive Fantasy. They're the leader for daily fantasy sports for the NFL, NBA, Major League Baseball, the PGA, and eSports for all your player props. You just go ahead. If you're interested in daily fantasy sports betting with the player props, use the promo code LFB, LFB when you sign up today, and you'll receive an instant deposit match up to $50 on your first deposit of $20 or more. Download Thrive Fantasy on the App Store, the Play Store, or by visiting their website, thrivefantasy.com. Sign up today and prop up with our friends at Thrive Fantasy. Please check your state, though, for availability. All right, it's another great episode on tap, but here today with me to go ahead and wreak havoc upon the PCC multiverse is my good friend indeed. You got to check him out at Castle with a K FPV on the Twitter and Instagram. It is my good friend indeed. It is Mr. Marcus De La Garza. And Marcus, truly thank you again for being on the show. We are in recovery right now after the info dump from Disney last week. Not only did it cover partially our Friday show, not only did it cover partially our Monday show, but also we had to put so much into it and got so much information out of it that we had to devote an extra PCC episode of the Pop Culture Cosmos on our Pop Culture Cosmos channel now that we dumped on Wednesday because, you know what, 
Disney dumped a lot of info on us. They did, and you can never be mad about that. You know, it's no, one, no, no. Yeah, it's one of those things where it's just like ugh, we had so much to talk about. Why, why am I going to not talk about all these things? You know, we did go a little bit long, a little just bit, just a tad, a tad. But it was worth it, wasn't it? I, well, I would say it was, it was worth oh, it. Oh yeah. Yeah, it was it was great content. You know, I really enjoyed discussing that with you and Josh. I had to dip out just a little bit early. I think I left about five, ten minutes early. But it, it was one of those things. It was just like, you know, I was excited to talk about all that. And, you know, especially when it came to Star, Star Plus, and then some of the Star Wars stuff. I was really, really, really excited to talk about that. And that's one of those things, if, if people haven't taken the time to listen to it, you know, please take a, a moment. Go back and listen to those two episodes. Uh, even the Friday episode as well. I mean, I think we covered a lot of great stuff last week. Absolutely, my friend. It, it was a lot of stuff that we did cover for the Disney Investor Day 2020. My gosh, it was such an info dump. I couldn't even believe it. I don't think we've ever even had that much before, even on Comic-Con days with Hall H and the whole thing going down with Marvel. That's just one segment. Yeah. This was the entire gambit. And my gosh, it was such an info dump. But I'm glad everybody out there got a chance to listen to it. And if you haven't already, again, our previous three episodes with a whole bunch of other stuff thrown in there, including Mass Effect and more, is all right there for you on our last three episodes of the Pop Culture Cosmos PCC Multiverse and a special PCC Extra for you right there. But we've got a great show here today talking about a lot of great things, including an interview on the back end of the show with John Orlando from the PVD cast. I was fortunate enough to be on his show recently, and he returns the favor by coming on here today on the back end of the show to talk about AEW, All Elite Wrestling, and their march to try and go ahead and compare, beat, or at least, you know what, be on a competing level with the WWE. So we're going to talk about All Elite Wrestling's future going forward, some of the things that we've liked, some of the things that we didn't like, some of the things that we are looking at when it comes to All Elite Wrestling, and our future hopes for All Elite Wrestling in and of itself as it competes in 2021 with World Wrestling Entertainment. But also as well, we're going to be talking about a lot of great things on this show, including The Stand. Did you know The Stand series, based off of the book by Stephen King, which was done before in the past as a miniseries, that is actually out on CBS All Access? I bet you didn't know that. And I know a lot of other people didn't know as well. So we're going to be talking about why seemingly no one cares about the stand also as well monster hunter the movie it's now being released all over in fact here's in the united states it's been released and that's another movie that's also made itself irrelevant but for altogether different reasons so we'll hit that up as well hollywood's reliance on remakes so we've talked about a lot of remakes going on in the past and this week Remake after remake after remake after remake has been in the news in Hollywood and the movie and television industry. And we're going to talk about Hollywood's reliance on remakes. I think Marcus is probably going to go on his soapbox because he kind of did on last week's show when we were talking about the info dump for Disney. And he also did. I didn't mean to, man. I really and didn't he also to, did again <laughs> during our Wednesday PCC Extra. You got to hear a little bit of that as well. But we're going to talk about Hollywood's reliance on remakes coming up here in a sec as well. But first, my friend, we're going to be talking about Wonder Woman. The early critical returns are out. Metacritic does have a score. It's right around 66, which kind of looks like, oh, well, it's not as good as the first. Da, la, 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 la. You know what? Before you say that, there's a lot of 80s in there. 
There are. And there's also a low, very low 30 that someone stuck on there right now. There's a couple of negative reviews, but mostly they are positive to very positive reviews. I hope to be seeing the movie in the not-too-distant future, and I know you are as well. Yep. It's already been released at theaters, I think, here. in a, Actually, if it's not out already in local theaters in the United States, it's going to be very soon, just before Christmas. And on Christmas Day, it's going to be released on HBO Max. So your thoughts on Wonder Woman getting early critic returns that are, may or may not be quite as good as the original. Are you kind of worried? Not at all. I've taken the time. I've really read through a lot of the reviews Variety, Vox, Hollywood Reporter, CNET. You know, it seems like everybody's really been enthused by the movie. The lone reviews that we've had that have been low scores, I'm not going to give them a lot of credibility yet. That doesn't mean that I'm not going to side with them eventually. I will say that we are going to the drive-in movie theater. I, I think I made a big stink about it last time we went and saw something. But we're going to the drive-in theater New Year's Eve, I think, to go see Wonder Woman. So I'm really, really looking forward to, to doing that. And it's going to be a good time. I think it's going to be a great movie, and everything I've read has been outstanding on it. You know, Christian Wig serving as one of the characters. Pedro Pascal, the Mandalorian, making his villain debut in, the, in this movie to a certain extent. So I, I'm really excited about it. I don't understand how anybody's throwing any shade at it right now when this is one of the better movies that's probably coming out for 2020. I'm hoping that it will be, at least when I go ahead and check it out. But we'll wait and see, my friend, how it is going to lay out. But... I am going to probably see it before then. In fact, I will be seeing it before then. As soon as I'm available to go ahead and do so, whether it's through the theaters or through HBO Max, I will be seeing it by Christmas Day. Yeah. That's a rest assured. And I will be able to share our thoughts on it possibly as early as the Monday, not a week from Monday, Pop Culture Cosmos. That's probably when I'll be able to give you a full review on it by then. Not this coming Monday, but the Monday after. But I am looking forward to it. I want to hear your thoughts, though, on its success. How do you gauge the success of Wonder Woman in this environment? I mean, you can't really do it box office dollar because right now, let's say The Croods 2, which has been a pretty good success. It's been actually dominating. And I put that in quotations because <laughs> we're talking about maybe just a couple million dollars here and there. It actually earned as high as $14 million on one weekend. It's first weekend, actually. Okay. So I want to ask you this. What is the gauge for you that Wonder Woman 2 a.k.a. Wonder Woman 84, is going to be a success this time around. Infusion in a popular culture. That's why we're here, right? So at the end of the day, for me, there's a few metrics that you can really look at, and it's going to come down to HBO Max and whether or not they release those. It's how many new subscribers did they have this month? Yes. How, many, how many of those new subscribers tuned in to watch Wonder Woman 84? You know, those are the real metrics that are going to show you whether or not this was a successful film and whether or not it's going to be bringing in a ton of money. I'm very excited to see Wonder Woman. I'm looking forward to it. Patty Jenkins, director, and Gal Gadot are a wonderful tag team. Patty Jenkins is an awesome director, and I'm so happy she's part of the Star Wars universe now. Yeah, yeah. I, I just think they're a great tag team, and, and you know, I really enjoyed the first Wonder Woman. I thought it was a, a great superhero movie, and it gave a lot of little girls a superhero that they could identify yes, with. Yes, I agree. And, I agree. And so, you know, just for that alone, it was a very powerful movie, and, and I'm really looking forward to what Wonder Woman 84 has to offer. I'm looking forward to it as well. That and Black Widow. Uh, hopefully it sends a message that, you know, obviously with Captain Marvel and so many other great uh, female superheroes that have come about because of the DCEU and also the MCU, uh, I'm really happy to see where it's taken. My daughters are excited. I know at least my 
My old eldest daughter is super excited for Black Widow, and we're all ready to go ahead and check out Wonder Woman. So we'll see what happens. The critical returns, the first returns for it are pretty good, but we'll wait and see what happens when we all check out Wonder Woman 84 that's coming to theaters. In fact, it should be available probably by the time you hear this, or also as well if you want to go ahead and check it out, HBO Max this Christmas. And I think the basic litmus test of how well of a success Wonder Woman 84 will not come until I think AT&T, Time Warner start going ahead and telling you the numbers for HBO Max and will tell you exactly how many subscriptions they get during this period of time leading up to it right on that day and shortly thereafter. So I think that's the actual point of what they're trying to do is get you the subscriptions. They're sacrificing this movie to a straight to video on demand type format simply because they want the subscriptions. It's plain and simple as that. I know everybody in the movie industry from directors, producers, actors are all upset about this going straight to HBO Max and all the other movies that HBO Max is going to be going ahead and presenting day and date, but it's all about the subscriptions right now for HBO Max and them catching up to the rest of the field when concerns Disney Plus and Netflix. You agree? Disagree? No, I agree. You know, it's, it's one of those things I hate to watch the death of the traditional movie release, but you need to evolve, and this is a great evolution here out of HBO Max. Yeah, tell that to Legendary, which is thinking about suing for trying to keep Dune off of that day-and-date format. So I'm hoping... I don't understand that. Well, I mean, if you're Legendary, I mean... You, you think put a lot you, of money into it. I get it. Yeah, but. and you think you can squeeze a little bit of money out. I think by this time next year, a lot of more people will be apt to go to the movie theaters. But HBO Max says they're not gambling on it. They're gambling on you staying at home. They're gambling on it being another down year. They're, they're gambling on a slow rise and slow confidence and build back into going into the theaters again. I think that's what I'm counting on. I'm not counting on everybody rushing back to theaters, even once they get a vaccine. I think everybody is going to have a slow confirmation or reaffirmation of going back to the movies, but that's going to take time. And I don't really see a huge gain by leaps and bounds until 2022 at the earliest. Just to throw one thing out there, did HBO Max maybe learn from Disney? They knew that they could secure subscribers in that first year as long as they gave great content. And then they saw what happened with Mulan and they said, all right, well, we can't charge more for uh, a movie that we're going to release here. Well, you see right now you have Netflix at 200 million subscribers. Right, right. And, yeah. you, and you just heard last week them drop that they're on the verge of getting 90 at Disney+. Plus. Yeah. Obviously, they've done something right with Disney+, Plus that... Disney has not been able to figure out owning 60% of Hulu because Hulu can't even meet its expectations, like you said, 12 <laughs> years in. And at some point in time in the not too distant future, especially with Wonder Woman 84, I think that probably maybe what, March, April, you're going to see HBO Max pass Hulu on that. And that's the idea. Easy. HBO, and yeah. that's the thing with, when you're, you're forking over $15 a month for HBO Max, and Netflix, you're, you're forking over $15 a month. That's heavy-duty cash you're forking over on a yearly basis. And when you have $200 million for Netflix doing that, and that's something that HBO Max sees. They want to go ahead and be a part of that. So the only way to do that, since they're coming late in the game, is by going ahead and shortcutting it. This is a shortcut for them. Yeah. No two ways about it. This yeah, is a shortcut yeah. for them to become a higher-edge player out there 
to advance itself beyond the Apple Pluses, the Peacocks, which are just starting out, which they're in their infancy. They saw what Disney Plus did to earn itself a lot of viewers quickly, and they're following in that same suit. The only difference is you have to pay a lot more per month on HBO Max. So right now, that's what they have to do. If they have to show you premier content and give it to you basically for whatever it is you're paying for monthly, that's what they're doing. Yep. Disney doesn't have that luxury or they feel like they don't have that luxury because they can go ahead and pick and choose what they want to go ahead and charge and not charge extra. But right now for HBO Max, since they're already paying $15 a month, they feel, you know what, we're just going to go ahead, throw it out there, get the subscriptions, get us up to 75, 80, 90 million by the end of 2021. And there you go. Yeah, absolutely. I, I don't want to, you know, keep going on down the HBO Max hold too much further because I think you and I could really talk about this all night because I think this is the future of the marketplace. And, you know, I could really talk on streaming for hours. Don't, absolutely. Don't, I'm going to go down the hole right now. I'm going to go, go, go. <laughs> bye, Marcus. I'm going in the hole, <laughs> streaming hole, HBO Max hole. Okay, sorry. All right. All right. <laughs> what are your thoughts out there on Wonder Woman's early critical returns? And are you excited? like Marcus and I are about Wonder Woman 84 coming next week to HBO Max and also coming to theaters. It's not out already by the time you hear this. We want to hear your thoughts. Pop Culture Cosmos at Yahoo.com. You're listening to the Pop Culture Cosmos. Don't touch that dial. Wait, do, do people still use dials? For the latest news and information, analysis and opinions on the Los Angeles Lakers and the NBA, Check out the Lakers Fast Break podcast today on wherever you get your podcasts. Well, coming up here in a few minutes, it's going to be John Orlando from the PVD cast. He's going to be talking about a lot of great things about his show and also as well about All Elite Wrestling. But before he does, I wanted to go ahead and hit you up with this. Monster Hunter, my friend, did a great job of making itself irrelevant. Not only is it getting horde reviews, I don't know what was up with Paul Anderson, but why would you actually film a scene when you know this is going to have some type of popularity in China and film a scene where it could be anywhere nearly thought of as offensive China? Because all it took was one scene for it to be kicked out of China and lose all that cash. Why would you put yourself in that political position to take yourself out of that many theaters or uh, away from that many screens, right? Like whether it's a... a, Yeah, Thank you. Paul Anderson. I mean, yeah, come on. You, you made all those movies that made a ton of money worldwide, the Resident Evil movies, and it's earned over a billion dollars by right. placating to a certain type of film, to a certain type of audience worldwide, both here in the States and overseas. You basically alienated yourself in, in creating such a scene, and somebody somewhere should have said, you know what, maybe that's not the best idea. Well, I mean, where are all the sensors that pop up to take everything off the airwaves that apparently is not funny or, you know, not in good taste? Uh, it just feels like the movie studio here just uh, kind of lapsed uh, in their in their judgment and, and really pushing back on a director. And that's that's really sad to see. You know, you have uh, me. Well, this was a country pull it, putting back on a on a. Uh, well, yeah, director. but I mean, like you should have had a movie studio there uh, stopping you from from airing a scene like that. Right. Yeah. Yeah, I, I mean, at the end of the day, there should have been somebody with a final say that said, no, oh, we don't think this is going to go over well. Or, hey, can we do a second cut of this movie and, and release it differently in a different mo- a country? I know that's not a very popular thing to say, but maybe that's where we're at in this political climate. Maybe that is where we're at in this political climate. But, yeah, that was 
not very smart. And then the movie itself, it's obviously not going to be an Academy Award winner. You realize it's that, a, but it's it, a B-list movie. Let's just it, call it. But it, it's this is a below B because it's getting absolutely roasted as one of the worst movies of the year. I think that's probably why the movie studio pushed the release date up because they just wanted to get rid of it and out of sight, out of mind. I think any type of success for the movie was just basically blown away by the bad publicity for what they got in China and now yeah. obviously the, yeah. the bad reviews. People usually take the Resident Evil reviews with a grain of salt. They usually just go ahead, throw that way and still watch it anyways, if they really want to go ahead and do that. And I think that's what they were looking for here with Monster Hunter. But I think all the bad press, it's just going to make, now that it's here in America, now that it's being shown in theaters, I think it's just going to make this movie very irrelevant. And no one will really care about this movie maybe three, four months from now. They won't even know it came out. Yeah, I'm I'm with you there. I just watched the trailer for this a couple days ago. I saw T.I. in it, and I'd, I'd have to say this. I do love T.I. as a rapper. You know, when I was in high school, I had a few of his CDs. You know, T.I. versus T.I.P., I think it was. Came out maybe my freshman year of college, actually. Great rapper. I don't think he's a great actor. And as soon as I saw his face on the trailer, it was just like, ooh, this is going to be a rough movie, I think. You know, they don't sometimes make those type of decisions of bringing in celebrities from other avenues of life whether it's music whether it's sports things of that nature because they expect them to go ahead and give out a great performance right out of the bat very rarely do you have that take place i mean right. the same thing with getting a sports star in there who really doesn't have that type of experience you're just getting it because of the name because of an audience you think you're going to get but again unfortunately all these things that they've tried are not going to work because this movie is going to become irrelevant in a short period of time it sounds like it was probably a cash grab on the front end and it's going to be a huge flop at the box office. I know how they pitched Sony. I mean, you know, they made a billion dollars <laughs> of the Resident Evil movies between yeah. Mila Jovovich and Paul Anderson. You know, they they worked together to make these movies because they're married. Yeah. And they went to Sony and said, well, we're done with Resident Evil. Well, let's work on another video game series, Monster Hunter. And yep. what it does is bring every bit of the good will that video game movies started to have and I understand Sonic the Hedgehog isn't the greatest movie in the world, but it dared earn a lot of cash at the box office before the box office went because of coronavirus. This is the kind of movie that does not do video games very well and puts it back in that almost like pigeonholed type format that video game movies must be bad. So I'm hoping that whatever comes out next from the video game genre, Uncharted perhaps, but I have my serious doubts on that. But we'll wait and see. And I've already gone on record why. I'm hoping that <laughs> the next video game adaptation will be a lot better on screen than what we see from Monster Hunter. What are your thoughts out there on Monster Hunter? Let us know, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. But before we head to the break, my friend, I want to go ahead and talk to you a little bit about the stand. I saw you shaking your head. No, when I said, did you know that the stand came out on CBS All Access? And they haven't done a great job of marketing it very much. They put the initial trailer out there a couple months ago, but they really haven't done a great job of going ahead and telling everybody, hey, this is what we're doing. To me, it looks like CBS All Access. It's basically a lame duck network at this time because they're going to go ahead and have Paramount Plus come, I think, in January, mm -hmm. if, I, if I remember correctly. So it's something that they just put it out there. And 
Unfortunately, as we've seen from many movie companies, I think they sent this out to die. Yeah, that's really rough to see. And it's uh, one of those things. This is a really, really, really popular novel, man. I mean, this is an 1,100-page novel of Stephen King's that people at the time were just walking around with and reading. And, and you know, they'd sit on the train on a bus and read this novel. It was really popular. And so just to see it kind of get thrown by the wayside by CBS All Access, it's kind of sad to see. And, the, um, and a miniseries back, I think, in the 90s, if I'm not mistaken. That went over very well. There was a TV miniseries of the stand that went over very well. In fact, they were shooting for a long time. I, I remember it downtown where some of it takes place here at the Union Plaza. I mean, that's one of the Union Plaza for such a uh, hotel that's not exactly the nicest hotel in the world, but yet gets so much pub because it's been on so many movies because of where it's centered at on the downtown Fremont experience right there on the end and the way it looks and has that feel. But it's so funny how that works out, you know, just because of logistics and all that. The Stand, if you want to go ahead and check it out, the episode started up this week. I will actually be thinking, uh, you know, I'm actually going to give it a try. If I have any time during the Christmas holiday yeah. break, I will go ahead and give it a try. And, and if I do have any good thoughts on it, I will go ahead and let you know out there on Pop Culture Cosmos Land. But if you have any thoughts on The Stand, are you excited? Have you been starting to watch the first episode? I mean... At this point, are you interested at all at Stephen King's work being remade for television and film? Share us your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. And that's something on another day we need to talk about. Is Stephen King's stuff overdone to the point of irrelevancy where you Ooh. just don't care if his work is going to be appearing on TV or film or not? I mean, that's something I think I want to get Josh in on too, because that's a huge argument for another day on that one. But yeah, I, I'm beginning to think that Stephen King adaptation line is not going to be one that's going to get people in any longer, but I hope not. I hope that's going to be something different because he has a lot of great stories. There's been a lot of great adaptations, yep. and I truly think he is going to be considered, if he's not already considered, one of the greatest American authors of our time or any other time for that matter. So I'm, I'm hoping his work will continue to get appreciated going forward. But before we head to the half hour break, my friend, speaking of remakes, I wanted to go ahead and talk to you real quick <laughs> about all the remakes that are came out this week. I know Noe and Fine, our good friend from Honey Queen, who also appeared on the Wednesday episode when we remember Tiny Lister, he had a comment that he made on our Pop Culture Cosmos Facebook page when we were reporting the news on that news feed. And his response was when I think I mentioned was it Revenge of the Nerds no, it was a, a remake of Night Court yep. with John Larroquette. His response was, why? I go ahead with you, my friend. Not just Night Court, not just Revenge of the Nerds, not just any one of these remakes. In fact, I could list down a few that have been talked about this week alone. I know you are very upset about this, so it's time to get on your soapbox, my friend, and tell everybody why you're not in love with all these remakes. I mean, we had a ton announced by Disney last week. Yeah. Uh, you got two minutes. Grandstand. Yeah, this is my two-minute soapbox grandstand here. If you look at remake movies for 2020, you'll find everything you ever need to, uh, to see here. You know, if you just take a look at some of the top articles, Doolittle uh, for 2020. This is These are all the movies for 20, uh, 2020 that were remakes. Doolittle, Fantasy Island, The Call of the Wild, Invisible Man, Mulan, Secret Garden, Scoob. I'll give that one a little bit of a pass. I mean, the list goes on and on. Clifford, the big red dog. I did not know they were going to do that. Dune hasn't come out yet. It was supposed to be released this year. You know, this is just one of those things. I'm looking for originality here, Gerald, and I don't think I'm getting it. 
it feels weird to say it's it's a lack of creativity to me. You well, know, you don't want the L.A. Law remake because that's on the way with Blair uh, Underwood. No, it's not. Is it really? Yeah, of course. How did I miss that? Just go to Variety. You'll see it every day. Just go to the trade papers or okay. go to Facebook and Pop Culture Cosmos because you will see updated remakes in an offering. Revenge of the Nerds. Fantasy Island. If you like the movie, a TV series is coming soon near you. Yeah, I just I don't understand why we're doing this nonstop, though, man. It just we're at this point now where, you know, we're relying on these previously affluent franchises to carry us. Right. And and I understand that, you know, some of these movie studios are looking for safe bets in a 2020 pandemic world where there's no safe bets. Right. Like you're looking for something that's going to be a box office hit, not even a box office hit, something that's going to carry enough viewership to make it worth your while to produce something. And really, if you want to push back two or three years, I can't give an excuse for 2019, 2018, 2017. But I can tell you in 2020, the remake is a very safe bet. It is a safe bet financially. That's, and that's the problem. They see yeah. the fresh prints. Obviously, that's been been over. They see what else is going on, Peacock, as far as Say by the Bell. I mean, the right bell. there. Yeah. Why are we doing all these remakes, man? I just they, don't. People watch them. It depends on what they watch. Okay. It depends on the remake. Now, mind you, you and I are excited about a Dune remake. We are excited about uh, it. Coming to America. We're excited about that when it hits Amazon in March, I believe. Sequels and remakes, they're all going to be part of Hollywood's vision going forward because they're safe bets than just doing original IPs. Here's my rule moving forward for all the remakes. Just be better than your predecessor. It feels like we've had times where we've had remakes come in and it's just like, hmm, same movie, different storyline, slightly. I want to be blown away. Let's put a 20-year gap between your predecessor and the remake. Put a 30-year gap, you know, some, whatever it is. Let's put some time between it so the CGI is 10 times better, 100 times better, 1,000 times better. The writing's just better. The acting's better. You know, we've had a lot of things that have really gotten better over the last 20 or 30 years. So let's push the timeline back and go further out because I'm just not happy with where we are right now. So in 10 years, when you get The Expanse and a Ted Lasso remake, you're going to go ahead and be excited for that? I'm probably going to be what like the original Battlestar Galactica fans that just hated the 2000 series. So yeah, no, probably not going to like the remake of The Expanse in 10, 20 years, whenever that happens. Ted Lasso, honestly, Gerald, those jokes could last for centuries. So yeah, let's go ahead and remake that one. Again, I'm so glad that you're enjoying it. I'm so <laughs> glad that it's getting the acclaim that it is and popularity that is. I wish I could have been one of them. But what are your thoughts out there on all these remakes? Are you excited by them? Because I listed off quite a few in our conversation, and there's many more that you just go ahead and check out each and every week at the Pop Culture Gospels on Facebook. You'll see an entire list of this being remade, this coming back, that coming back. What are your thoughts out there on all the remakes that are coming to Hollywood via TV, movie, or what have you? Share your thoughts, popculturecosmos at yahoo.com. Well, coming up next, we've got a great guest. It is John Orlando from the PVD cast. He's going to be talking some All Elite Wrestling coming up here. His thoughts on All Elite Wrestling heading into 2021, its future, and can it compete on a regular basis with the WWE? We're going to hear his thoughts on that and so much more coming up right after the break. This is the PCC Multiverse. Video game box art, the stories behind the covers in which we talk to the illustrators and artists who are responsible for gaming's most iconic images. 
Don't forget to check out Video Game Box Art, the stories behind the covers, celebrating gaming's most iconic images from the people who created them. This and many more from Rob McCallum Films. And we're back with the program. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here from the Pop Culture Cosmos. We truly appreciate everyone out there listening to all of our great shows around the world on radio stations seven days a week. And of course, wherever you get your podcasts. Speaking of podcasts, there's an outstanding podcast that, well, maybe for him and maybe the fact he might have lost listeners because of it. I, unfortunately, graced not in the not too distant past. It is a great show. Nonetheless, maybe even my episode because it has another great guest on it. Not me, not me, but Jeff Dwoskin, who I recently interviewed and it was a great interview. Much better, much better guest than I was, but still. Maybe go ahead and check out that episode. He's got over 260 episodes in the bank. And if you just go to pvdcast.com, you can see the entire list. You can go ahead and play the entire list or wherever you get your podcast. And congratulations on an eighth anniversary for you. So yes. eight years of the PVD cast and give him a big congratulations. It is John Orlando. And John, thanks for coming by on the show today. There is very few out there better to talk about the pro wrestling genre than you, my friend. That's true. Thank you very much, by the way, for the kind words. I I can't believe that it, it's gone by like that. Eight years. I started December 12th of 2012, and I swear, people, that was sheerly by accident. It was not a gimmick. I didn't plan it that way. It just happened. It took me a couple of months, like February and March, and then I'm like, oh, wait, 12, 12, 12. I didn't even pick up on it. I was so clueless, but it's been great. It's been fun. I, I I'm looking forward to the next eight years and beyond. And uh, thanks to everybody who's ever checked out an episode or was a guest or told some folks about it or helped me out or whatever. Thank you very, very much. I really mean it from the bottom of my heart. I appreciate it so much. Well, again, congratulations. Anybody who has done this for such a long period of time, like you and I have, because we see these shows come and go. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. the thing with podcasts. Yes, I said a joke before we went on the air. There are, there are about, what, 2 million roughly podcasts that have been created out there. But over half, you know, they, they, they're they gone by episode 10. I think there's some sort of weird, wacky ratio of podcasts that are out there that fail because they don't even get to episode 10 because they just don't have what it takes or just don't want to go ahead and pursue it. And for you to pursue it so long, eight years later, it's a, a credit to you. And it's also credit to everything that you're about and also the listeners out there checking out each and every episode and obviously supporting you in the, in the way that they can. And obviously, if they listen to your show, the PVD cast, they will definitely hear an awesome podcast based on and a lot dealing with professional wrestling. Mm-hmm. So I want to hear your thoughts on this, my friend. And that's why one of the reasons why I wanted to bring you on here was All Elite Wrestling, their recent show, Winter is Coming. And not only changing into another world champion with Kenny Omega and going with him, who's now running all over organizations all over the world, including Impact and AAA, as he proved in Triple Mania as we talk about this. But you got Sting that has made his return to TNT in 20 years. To me, it's an exciting time for fans of All Elite Wrestling. And for me, who was, I guess, I want to say later on the board, later on the train, because I had my doubts because of uh, some of the roster I didn't think was made up of the best quality individuals there. I think the future is now much brighter. I think they've not fallen into many of the same tropes that these other previous organizations that have tried to compete with the WWE has. I think the future is very bright for AEW. 
I think the future is bright for them as well. I fear, though, that they have to get a little more consistent in storylines and booking, Gerald. Oh, yeah, I think I mean, that they, that's, that's agreed. They present something, and you're like, oh, okay, I'm interested in that. And then several weeks go by before they come back to it. And I think that you lose viewers when you do that. They've lost me on some things. I do believe the future is bright. I think that Sting certainly does have a role in the company. I don't want to see Sting wrestle. I don't. I hope that they're not going to try that. I mean, he has the bad neck. I don't see how they could do that. He has a role. The question is, they're going to have to find a role and make sure that he fits in, in that role. For an example, if you had him as a authority figure, the general manager or whatever of Dynamite, I don't know if that would work. I don't know if that would be the mold for him. I could see him being more of like a mentor to some of the younger individuals on the roster, but then you kind of think about, well, you got Arn Anderson doing kind of a similar role. Tully and Blanchard, Blanchard doing and Jake Roberts. Yeah. So I think they have to find a fit for him. They have to find somewhere where he's going to, for lack of a better term, and pun may be intended, make an impact within the storylines that they can work with. I am a big fan of this idea of Kenny Omega being the belt collector. I think that's a great idea. Because this is not the first time that's happened before no. where we had someone go ahead. And to me, I'm going to be honest with you. I'm always intrigued. Like the last one I think was Austin Aries that tried the belt collecting gimmick where they go ahead to different organizations and try to collect all their belts. I like the gimmick personally because I think it lends credibility to not only that individual, in this case, Kenny Omega, but also the organizations that they're working with. And right now, to me, if I'm running ROH, if I'm running MLW, if I'm running Impact, AAA, New Japan, anybody out there that's not named WWE, it is in my best interest to hop on board with AEW because as we saw with the ratings on Access TV that skyrocketed the week after Kenny Omega won just by his appearance, and mind you, how much it'll hold, we'll have to wait and see. Mm -hmm. It's in their best interest, at least short term, to work with AEW. I agree. And I think that, you know, when you look around at some of these maybe mid-level, like as you mentioned, Ring of Honor, MLW, I think it, it would be, it behooves them to pair up because they're getting the rub. They're getting that exposure indirectly from doing a storyline with Kenny Omega. And I agree with you with the, the belt collector idea. I, I thought back to Ultimo Dragon. I mean, he showed up with all those titles in WCW and that was something cool. That was something that did give legitimacy to those titles and to Ultimo Dragon. So, and I think that Kenny Omega needs this because let's just be honest, he hasn't booked himself well or whoever's yes. in charge. I don't know. He has not been booked well in AEW. 100% agree. Yeah. I mean, you. I go back to watching his matches against Okada and against Jericho in New Japan. And yeah, he is the big bout machine. And then he came to AEW. And I understand you don't want to be Jerry Lawler and put the belt on you. I get you. I get that. But he was booked poorly, just so poorly that I because felt... he's working with his friends. And sometimes yeah. when you're working with your friends, it's like, let's say you and I are running AEW and I had just come off those matches. But John, I said, you know, John, I want to go ahead and give you the rub. I want you to go ahead and do it. And then he said, someone else, someone else get the spotlight. I'm okay. I'm good. It got to the point where Kenny Omega was becoming irrelevant, even as a tag mm -hmm. team champion was becoming irrelevant. And people were wondering why mm -hmm. he was that good after all a lot of people questioning it i'm not talking about jim Cornette because that's another story altogether but <laughs> you know kenny omega people wondering why oh why is he the seven star guy or anything like that 
now people are starting to see him again because they did this at the last possible moment he could go ahead and recapture that glory because if mm -hmm. it's if this kept on going my friend i don't think kenny omega would have ever regained it if he didn't start doing it now uh, I agree. I mean, and honestly, Gerald, I think they should have started a couple of months ago. But oh, yeah, yeah. nonetheless, I agree with you. I think that they have to make that pivot, allow him to become the heel, allow him to do this storyline and get some momentum back because I totally agree. I think that he was becoming irrelevant. He was becoming a minor footnote. I honestly think, too, that whole tag team, I thought Adam Page, I like Adam Page a lot. I feel like that whole storyline damaged Adam Page, too. I don't, yeah. I, I mean, I, so overall, I think it damaged both of them. So we will see where this leads in 2021. But I'm optimistic that, you know, Omega, I mean, you could just think of all the dream matches he could have. Yeah. If he goes to Impact, he could battle Eddie Edwards. If he goes to Ring of Honor, then he, you know, could take on the Jay Lethals or, MLW and be down there and take on Hammerstone like that would be some great great matches and that as like an armchair booker is going to make a lot of people happy and what I wanted to ask you this is something that I asked originally to my good friend Ryan John Tombasco of Bar Talk podcast I wanted to ask you this and that is with Kenny Omega and AEW by doing this Obviously, we see the benefits for impact. You know, AEW comes knocking on the door or Kenny Omega talks to and puts Don Callis on the phone and says, hey, I want to go ahead and, and do this angle. Or he goes to AAA and says, yeah, I've got the AAA title, but I want to go ahead and start this deal. They're all in the position of like, yeah, bring it on. Even ROH and, and MLW, if they get those calls, they're going to probably say, you know, at this point in time, we've got some struggling organizations where we're kind of on the mend. Obviously, with COVID destroying a lot of what we had built on and the success, what we had built on, that's going away. So we need something to help pick us up. This is going to get us back into the limelight. That's great. What is in it for AEW? That's what I want to know. That's something that's a harder question to answer. And I'm not sure I have that answer. Obviously, they're getting the benefit from the rub that they were able to not only increase the viewers, but substantially increase the number of viewers the next week after winter's coming. But really, when it comes down to it, long-term, what is in the benefit for AEW as an organization, not Kenny Omega? And that is the million-dollar question. I don't know because I think that the only answer that I have to that, Gerald, is, again, building out a little bit more of that, of that audience. But at this point, due to a variety of different reasons and different factors, are you getting like 500 fans from Ring of Honor? Are you getting a couple hundred from MLW instead of if this was a typical, you know, 2020 where you have people going to shows and that you could grab more. So I don't know if even expanding that audience, they're doing it as, as much as they would be if the circumstances were different. It is a puzzling question to ponder because you, you know, especially when you, you have the network TV deal, you have a billionaire or a billion, a son that is a billionaire to a billionaire. I don't know. I can't answer that question. It's I mean, a difficult one to answer. It's yeah. tough. It is really tough. And because of the fact that AEW has its niche audience, it was, I don't want to say flatlining, but it was in right around 750, 800,000 viewers. Obviously they built up winter is coming to be something big and it did hit up a little bit over 900,000 viewers, but Kenny Omega winning the belt and then that whole scenario seems to have paid off. And maybe that's something that they first saw 
happening was the buzz and the rub from that bringing them up to even farther. Maybe they felt that they've reached a point and maybe they felt they've needed something beyond that. And maybe what they see here is the fact that if they reach out to these smaller organizations and build something forward with them, as far as a working arrangement, even with New Japan overseas, who was also here in the States as well with their own developmental program, maybe that's something that, that they want to work out long-term. Maybe that they think it's for their future benefit, not only as far as talent trading, but hopefully that people can think, hey, there's something in the mix. Because as you and I remember, and I'm thinking, and I'm saying this off the top of my head, I'm thinking about it. Remember WCW was at its best, not when it had the main events of the old standard Hogan versus Hall versus Nash or mm-hmm. NWO and all that. That was fine. That was great. And obviously created a lot of stir and sold a lot of t-shirts, including myself. But <laughs> the, the real part of the show for me was, the earlier parts of the show where they mm. talked about all the different individuals coming from Mexico, from Japan, coming in from other organizations and them acknowledging it on the air. Previously, it was something that was sort of taboo. So maybe that's going to go ahead and garner interest because from a worldwide standpoint, I can see it making sense bringing in the Japanese contingent and also bringing the Mexican contingent from there with AAA and New Japan but bringing in these smaller organizations, I just see it as maybe fresh faces to make it even brighter for people to see. I, that's the only thing I can think of is just bringing fresh faces to the AEW scene. See, I think that if, if, if we're going to take a look at that idea of bringing in fresh faces, which I'm all for, I think that really, if AEW was smart, maybe start building like the old St. Louis territory, where the St. Louis territory, A, really wasn't a territory. It was just a city and Muchnick booked everyone. And had 10, like, awesome, over-the-top matches. You know, you would have uh, David Von Erich versus Harley Race as the main event. But the next match after that was, like, Bruno San Martino against literally almost everybody passed through Missouri at one point. You know, they had a very small crew that were based there, like Rip Hawk and, uh, you know, Pat O'Connor. But they build these super cards, for lack of a better word. But it was every single month in St. Louis. And I think... You know, if you want to do something different, I think that that would be the way to do it. I don't know what pay-per-view numbers have been. I haven't looked that up in a very long time. So I have no idea how AEW is doing with their pay-per-view buys. But that would be a surefire way to maybe stoke the interest of many wrestling fans is to have these kind of super cards. But again, going back to the original question, I don't know what they gained from this. Preaching to the choir right here, I'll tell you. <laughs> Once again, it's John Orlando. You got to go ahead and check out his awesome show, The PVD Cast, at pvdcast.com or The PVD Cast on Facebook. Eight great years. And congratulations again on eight great years of awesome podcasts. There's no better place to go for your wrestling podcast than The PVD Cast. But before we head on out, I gave it the hard pitch on why people need to check out The PVD Cast. I need to hear from you, my friend, on why the PVD cast is the best place to go for wrestling fans. Well, because, you know, I have been doing uh, independent professional wrestling in the state of Ohio for 18 years, since 2002. I have a ton of stories that I could share and sometimes do share on the PVD cast. You know, I do have my resident pro wrestling pundits to come on four times a year whenever the WWE has their big pay-per-views, you know, the WrestleMania, the Royal Rumble, SummerSlam, it's a Survivor Series, and we sit down and we dissect them, we preview them, we review them, we joke about them, we have a good time, and I appreciate those guys helping out, and you're getting just basically 
a long-term fan. I've been watching wrestling since 1985 and absorbing it all. I'd watch it all. AWA, NWA, WWF, world class, no matter what it was. If it was on TV, I was watching it. As a matter of fact, Gerald, I claim that the best thing that ever happened to my family was when we got a VCR. Because oh then I could Because my parents were old school. They were, what are you doing? It's Saturday morning. It's nice outside. Get out and play. But mom, I want to watch Get Out and Play. You know what? After the VCR, I could just throw a tape in and watch it later at night. So, you know. I used to remember going to the Japanese grocery stores and and the tape stores too. They would have a section devoted to some of the All Japan and New Japan at that point in time in the 80s and 90s. And I remember going ahead and buying them and so excited to see the latest episode of All Japan Wrestling or New Japan Wrestling. And I was so thrilled to go ahead and get that. And then like you, finding a channel for me that was not on the, the basic channels, but turning it with my old black and white TV trying to see if I could find the clicker to the old, I think it's a UHF stations channel 56 in orange County, California, where they had the wrestling block of the latest shows, whether it was mid South world-class California championship wrestling, just a whole bunch of organizations at independent wrestling that you can get normally. So like you, I was told to go out and play a lot more than I did. And I'm glad I got the chance to stay in and watch this history of wrestling that you and I now think of so fondly. Yes, most definitely. So please, though, do check out the PVD cast, pvdcast.com, as Gerald said, and, you know, wherever you find great podcasts. And every Monday night, 8 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, I do a live broadcast of this week's episode and the Facebook page of the PVD cast, which is at PVD cast. Always a great time at the PVD cast, wherever you get your podcasts or stop by the PVD cast on Facebook or pvdcast.com. If only we'd had YouTube when we were younger. I think that might have been bad. My silly rear end would have been making stupid homemade wrestling videos and putting them up on YouTube. So I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Well, I would have been able to save a lot of money. That's for sure. <laughs> instead of going out and buying all those Japanese wrestling tapes. But need I digress? Need I digress? Once again, it's John Orlando from the PVD cast. You got to go ahead and check out everything that he's doing today at the PVD cast. And John, I just cannot thank you enough for always a great wrestling conversation. I hope you'll return because I yeah. want to hear your thoughts on exactly everything that's going on within the business. I always like your and always value your insight. Always okay. appreciate everything that you do on your shows. And I welcome you back to the show anytime. Hey, anytime you let me know, Gerald, I'll be happy to stop. You on got my it, my friend. I appreciate Alrighty. it once again for being part of the PCC Multiverse. If you need your video game fix, be sure to check out Retro City Games. Located in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada, Retro City Games has the cure for all your video game vices. Retro games and games for current consoles, Nintendo, Sega, PlayStation, Xbox, and more. Retro City Games has all the staples from any library and some highly collectible offerings too. So pick up a few games today at Retro City Games in Town Square on Las Vegas Boulevard or in Henderson, Nevada. Retro City Games is your video game metropolis. And we're back with the program. It's Gerald Glassford coming right back at you here at the PC Multiverse. I want to thank so much John Orlando for being part of today's show. Please check out once again the PVD cast wherever you get your podcasts. Going to have a lot of great things coming up again in the next two weeks because we're going to be covering the best of 2020 on our next two weeks of episodes on the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PC Multiverse. So I'm looking forward to that. But before we head on out, my friend, I'm going to go ahead and ask you this. AEW, I just spoke about it with John Orlando from the PVD cast. All Elite Wrestling has done a great job this month 
earlier, obviously bringing back Sting, doing the thing with Kenny Omega, getting the world championship, and obviously aligning himself with Impact Wrestling and Don Callis and doing the thing where they're going from Mexico to Impact to going ahead and basically showcasing his skills and possibly even earning more world championships than what he has already. But I think there's obviously more in the offering for Kenny Omega. I want to hear your thoughts, though. The WWE has to breathe a sigh of relief because of the fact that they were not able to sustain the ratings. The ratings just dropped earlier today for this week, and they did drop about 19 to 20% on the ratings, so they could not manage to stay right around the million mark. They're still around 800,000, which is still good for a show of its size, its type, and its makeup, and I'm sure TNT is still happy about that. But not being able to sustain its two-week bump-up in ratings, I'm not sure if that's a sigh of relief for the WWE or a hmm of concern for AEW. I would put the onus on this sigh of relief for the WWE there. What I've got here is AEW had 806,000 viewers this week. Yeah, Uh, but last week they had close to a million. And that's cool, but they had more viewers than NXT at the end of the day, right? You know, oh, yeah, they, yeah. I understand they're, they're facing up against NXT, but I think that they're looking at a larger picture. I think they do see NXT as competition, but I think that once you start getting up in that close to a million range, I remember they started out at almost a million and a half over their initial episode. Right. And it flattened out from there. They're looking at a bigger picture at how they can compete with the WWE, which many other organizations have tried to before. But this is probably the first sustainable test since World Championship Wrestling. It's it's definitely one of those things where I think the WWE is breathing a little bit of a sigh of relief there. AEW is doing a great job as far as promoting their content. At the end of the day, they're bringing viewership in and it's got to be content related and I don't want to say it's holy content. I think sometimes you got to look at the the talent they're bringing in as well. You know, including Sting over the last three weeks has been great for their viewership numbers. It's really bumped up everything that they're doing there. I don't want to put all of that on him, but I think it's brought an energy back to AEW that they had for their first episode or two. And I also think the gimmick, as they say in the business, of yeah. Kenny Omega actually going ahead and becoming that touring champion, going to those smaller promotions and showing off there and aligning himself with individuals outside of the realm of AEW is kind of like a good thing in this case. Kind of questioned it at first, and you actually that's what I talked about, John Orlando. I was wondering what yeah. AEW's motivation was. But I can clearly see that trying to gain interest and buzz, I think at this point in time in 2020, social media, the whole nine yards, is something that you continually want to go ahead and search for. And I think this is probably the reason why they wanted to go ahead and do it from their end. Obviously, from the other guy's end, from Impact, AAA, or whatever, they're interested because they're not as successful right now. And they're looking at this AEW, and they want to be a part of it, and they want to attach themselves to it and get the rub. But yeah, for AEW, I have a feeling it's just the notoriety and the fact that they want to become a buzz factor by where Kenny Omega, where's he heading next? Just looking at that alone, this is a marketing team, and maybe it's not only the marketing team, but this is a great move by AEW. You know, aligning yourself with all these smaller brands, you're grabbing all their fans, you're bringing that viewership in. And while it might not be translating to direct success right now, this week for these numbers, over time, this is a really great association to make. And we'll have some things to talk about at the beginning of the new year with AEW and what they're doing with their show. 
And it'll be fun to see where their talent moves next year. Their talent pool should be growing and it, it will be growing and it's going to be what's going to bring more viewership to them. What are your thoughts out there on All Elite Wrestling's future in 2021? Do you think at some point in time they can compete on an even level with the WWE? We want to hear your thoughts. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. Well, it's been a great episode, my friend. I cannot thank you enough for being part of it. But before we head on out, I know you wanted to talk some Expanse. So go ahead. I know you've gotten an early taste of the Expanse with a ending in the not-too-distant future plan for The Expanse. I think one more season, I think if I remember it correctly, I think it was one more season beyond this. What are your thoughts on how it's starting out for the final episodes for The Expanse? I'm really excited about what I've seen thus far. You know, with the first two episodes, the production quality is outstanding. You know, what we saw last year out of Amazon Prime was a lot of time on planet. We didn't see a lot of time in ship. And that's a lot of what we've gotten out of the first few episodes of The Expanse this season. That's good to hear because you're always worried about how's it going to lay out. I know Amazon, talking about the second season of The Boys, really ramped up its production value. And that's what a lot of people were really excited about because they were worried about where The Boys was going to go after such a great season one. And I think it only got better for the most part simply because of the fact that it looks like Amazon is spending a lot more money in it. The same thing with The Expanse as, as what happened with The Boys. You know, it just feels like the production quality went up, and maybe it's just because they've had a year under their belt to keep working on the sets that they have and kind of keep further developing that vision. You know, it, it's been really fun to watch. We're getting some character storylines that you weren't expecting to have, probably. Having read through the book series, I keep waiting to see the next big thing, and the next big thing is going to shock people. So I think these first three episodes, if I'm guessing correctly, aren't going to have the next big shock. But maybe episode number four and number five are going to have the shock that everybody's waiting for this season. Well, definitely looking forward to seeing what The Expanse has to offer. I know Marcus is as well. If you're excited about The Expanse, let us know. PopCultureCosmos at Yahoo.com. My friend, it's been a great episode. I cannot thank you enough, as always, for being a part of it. want to give a big final shout-out to our good friends at Retro City Games, where we're streaming right now, To Hopefully, everyone out there can go ahead and check out all the great sales that they're doing all the way up to Christmas right there at Retro City Games. Keep looking out on their Facebook and also Instagram for their ads. Seemingly every day they've got a new one popping up, so got to go ahead and refresh and refresh. So check out all the great deals that they have at Retro City Games there at Las Vegas and Henderson in Nevada. Also as well, want to give a big shout out to Summer Tucker for liking our video. We cannot thank you enough for doing so. But my friend, it's that time again. Time to head on out. Looking forward to my Monday conversation with Mr. Josh Peterson, where we talk the latest and greatest in pop culture. 2020, the best of, coming right around the corner. I will have some interviews. I'm lining up a lot of great interviews with Ryan John Tabasco for Best of Wrestling. Got my good friend Jessica Box. Mm -hmm. I'm trying to get a time and place for her to go ahead and talk about the best of TV. Any last thoughts on the way out? And are you excited to be talking about the best of 2020 coming up here on the next few episodes? I'm really looking forward to talking these topics and, and really covering these TV shows and going in depth for you because I have a lot to say about Ted Lasso, and I know you're really excited to hear it. I am super excited to hear it. Yay! <laughs> I'm just I, kidding, my friend. I'm, I'm happy for you about Ted Lasso. I'm really happy for you. It's just because I don't personally enjoy something as much as I would like to. 
that doesn't mean I'm not excited for you any less. Yeah, and and I did tease that like Ted Lasso might, might be my number one, but let's be honest, people should know what my number one is for 2020. Yeah, people should know, but there's also we're going to be doing movies, we're going to be doing video games with we best are, of. We yep. uh, we're going to be doing a whole bunch of things in the next two weeks with episodes from the Pop Culture Cosmos and the PCC Multiverse. So please stay tuned wherever you get your podcast to the Pop Culture Cosmos and find out what we're thinking of for the best of 2020 or wherever you get this show on radio or podcast worldwide. So for Marcus De La Garza, this is Gerald Glasser. This is another beautiful day in paradise right here in the PCC Multiverse. We thank you for listening. And here's hoping you have yourself a great everyone this is george tripsis co-host from the metal geeks podcast along with carrie the metal geek and brutal dave our show is where we bring the metal geek culture and heavy metal culture and mash it into the geek culture come listen to our show where we talk about movies comic books disney stuff and mostly about movies where i'm always right and carrie's never right check us out at metalgeeks.net and catch us on all your ear hole listening podcast devices i'm carrie the metal geek and i approve this message you're listening to a Weeby Geeks Network podcast. This has been a broadcast of the ESO Network. Be part of the crew and help support our shows by donating to our ESO Patreon or by shopping for the Tee Public Store, which can all be found at www.esonetwork.com. The ESO Network, your station for all things geek. Tangent Bound Network. Let your voice be heard. TangentBoundNetwork.com Thanks so much for downloading the Pop Culture Cosmos and stay tuned as more great podcasts are on the way. Thanks again for listening to us here at the Pop Culture Cosmos.